Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm Albert Hardy, your host. Today, I want to talk about Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and John. Now, why in the world didn't John record a similar passage like this in his gospel? Why did he not record that? Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. Did he leave it out? Well, I'm here to say no, he didn't leave it out. He put it in a whole different book to itself, a book of prophecy. But I want to go through Matthew 24 and detail a few things for you and keep going and see if we can compare all four gospel writers' prophecies and are they in the right order? They should all line up and they should all have the same ideas in them. Matthew 24, starting in verse 4, Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, saying I am the Messiah. But they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. So that's the second thing. The first thing is that there will be false Christ coming in his name, claiming that Jesus is the Messiah, and still deceiving people. Then the second thing is you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. These things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. The next thing is nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So in other words, this third thing is a follow-up of the second thing. The rumors of war is one thing. The threats of war is one thing. But the actual going to war is quite another. Then the fourth thing is there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. The fifth thing is you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. That's in verse 9. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. So expect persecution. The sixth thing is that many will turn away from me and betray me. The next thing, the seventh thing, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. But isn't that what we heard in verse 5? Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. Well, it's not necessarily the same thing because these guys aren't prophesying and the ones in verse 11 are. They're prophesying, they're saying things that really aren't true, and they're deceiving people with their take on prophecy. I hope I'm not one of those. I don't think I am, but anyway, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. That's a whole other set of circumstances. That's starting in verse 12. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So we must endure and keep our love and not let it grow cold. For example, many people these days are saying, Church, what's the use? 
it's a waste of time. Well, and there's good reason for that, but the thing you can't get on Zoom or on any other social media is you can't have the same family feeling that you can otherwise. It's better than nothing, yes, but you should stay in church. Stay going to church. If you don't like that church or you don't like that pastor, well, get another church, but be prepared to involve yourself in that church wholeheartedly and become part of the family. Become an active member by doing some serving in the church. Find something you like to do and do it for the church. Get to know the people and get to love them and keep that love, not letting it ever grow cold, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but keeping on, keeping on. Verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved, so your love must endure. Keep that family tie. Verse 14, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So that's the next thing down the line. Then in verse 15, he says, The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, or better known as desolation, standing in the holy place, in other words, where it doesn't belong, then let those in Judea flee to the hills. Now, why is that? Why would that trigger everything? Well, because it'll trigger World War III, and they better run if they have a lick of sense. Get out of there, because it's about to be destroyed. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the very deck of a roof must not even go down to pack. Run, jump, get out of there. Just get out of there. A person out in the field must not even return to get a coat. How terrible it will be in those days for nursing mothers and pregnant women. And pray that your flight, your escape, in other words, will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the beginning of the world. Daniel 12.1 And it will never be so great again. In other words, there's going to be such trouble on the earth that there has never been the like, and there never will be after. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. Why would that be? Why would the whole earth be so problematic that we can't even survive? Let's think about it. We've got to have three things mainly. Air. Number one, air to breathe. Number two, we've got to have food. And number three, we've got to have clean water to drink. All of those three are essential. You could live that way on earth without any clothes, but I wouldn't recommend it. We need clothes next. But the time is coming when the air will be in jeopardy and also in short supply. And the same way with food. And the same way with water. 
Those three elements are essential to life, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. So, in other words, when Christ returns, he's going to put a stop to all this nonsense and fix the earth back better than ever. So, don't get discouraged. Don't lose your love for Christ. Then, if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't you believe it, for false messiahs will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Look, I have warned you about this ahead of time, so if someone tells you, look, the Messiah's out in the desert, don't bother to look, or he's hiding here, don't you believe it? For as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now wait, let's just think about that a second. Why would that be? Why would Christ Jesus, coming on the clouds of heaven, be the only thing people see? Now when we see lightning strike, that's about all that gets our attention in the sky. This bright flash of light. Well, that's the way it'll be when Christ returns because the whole world is going to grow dark. Where does he say that? Well, drop down two more verses, but first, let's read on. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. And then verse 29, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. That's why Jesus will look like lightning flashing in the sky. He will be the bright star that comes through the dark clouds. The sun will be darkened. The moon will also give no light. And the stars will fall from the sky. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then, at last, the sign of the Son of Man coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all peoples of the earth. This is not a local event. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, when he comes through that dark cloud cover that's covering the earth, blocking off sunlight, poisoning the air, and limiting the ability of mankind to get food because of it, and certainly destroying the weather. There's no more rain. Forget about it. So you've got a lack of good, clean drinking water, which is where we get it from rain, mostly. And we've got no air to breathe. And we've got no ability to have sunlight shine on the earth to warm it enough to grow plants and to provide the chlorophyll mechanism that makes food come alive. But wait a minute. What's the stars falling from the sky and the powers of the heavens being shaken? Well, that's the weather. But the stars, in my view, stars can't fall because they are suns just like our sun. How in the world could they fall to the earth? No, no, no. Some of them are so huge, they would engulf our entire solar system. 
one star. So that's not going to get anywhere near planet Earth without it melting and evaporating into thin air. That's not going to happen because Jesus has to have a place to come back to and to rule and reign on thrones. How's that going to happen? Well, in heaven? No, on the earth. Now, in verse 33, And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. Now, the world there, I believe, means not just the earth, but all of heaven as well. The universe is what it means, in my view. In Greek, it means the four winds, I believe. It says, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. So, that includes everybody. Everybody will watch and see this great cataclysm. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree, he says. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not die off or pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Now, wait a minute, what does that mean? Well, look, if the whole earth is covered with a blanket of smoke or black clouds, how in the world is it going to be viewable from heaven? If you're up on the moon, for example, and you look down and you see an earth covered with a black cloud, it's going to blend in with the rest of the backdrop, the universe. It's all black. And if you're on earth looking up to the sky, looking up to heaven, that black cloud cover will block the sun and the moon, let alone the stars. So what are these stars that are going to fall from heaven? Well, the answer to that would be, in my view, the satellites. We have over 22,000 up there right now. That in the space junk that's floating around out there. And there are engineers all around the world with radio telescopes. And these radio telescopes are not tiny, small, little rooftop devices. They're mounted on train tracks with trains that haul them into the correct position and then these engineers aim them at a particular satellite that they might beam up a radio signal to keep them in orbit. These radio signals trigger onboard retro rockets. These retro rockets that are on these satellites make slight bursts of energy come out and steer that satellite to the correct position and keep it in orbit, keep it from bonking into one of the other satellites nearby, for example. You had no idea about that? Well, you can do some research, go into SAS Astra, and take a look, and you will learn. It's on YouTube. It's all over YouTube, in fact, if you know where to look. In verse 36, Jesus says, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels 
in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows exactly, in other words, when the Son of Man returns. And then lastly, he says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his ship and people did not realize what was about to happen. And that's exactly what we have today. People aren't listening. In verse 44, Jesus reminds us, you must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. If the church is expecting him by tonight, in other words, imminently, then this is not the time when he will come. He will come at a time when people least expect it. Look, it's like this. When the earth is covered with this smoke cloud I spoke of, are they going to be expecting Christ to come and save us? No, they will think that this is the end of life on planet earth. Now, you want proof about this smoke cloud? Let's flip on over to John's book of prophecy. It's not in the gospel. It's in Revelation. It'll be in Revelation 9 and verse 2. But let's start in verse 1. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky. Now, this star that fell from the sky, I believe, is... Satan himself, it's not a real star. It is a light bearer like Satan used to be. That's why they called him Lucifer, light bringer. For proof of that, you can read Luke 10 and verse 18. I saw Satan fall, etc. You can read it. But let's continue and get this. And he was given, that is, he, Satan, was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Huh, what's the bottomless pit? Well, we'll get to that. When he had opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace in the sunlight, and the air turned dark from the smoke. How clear is that? It can't get any clearer than that. When he had opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace. Now, what in the world is this bottomless pit? Well, the bottomless pit is the oil fields on the eastern side of Saudi Arabia, of Yemen, of Oman, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Iraq, and the western side of Iran. I believe personally that Iran and Saudi Arabia are going to nuke it out. And when they do, those oil fields, the oil tankers and the oil wells that are out there in the Persian Gulf, they're all going to get nuked. And when they do, the sand will blow away, but the oil itself will continue to spew up and be set on fire. And that's exactly the bottomless pit we're talking about. A bottomless pit, if it was full of fuel, it would have an endless supply of fuel. That's exactly what we see in these areas. Kuwait, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen, 
and even parts of Turkey and Israel. Yes, there's going to be one big fire, a great furnace, as he calls it here, a huge furnace, so much so that the sunlight and the air turn dark from the smoke. Now, I can't get any clearer than that. You want more proof of that? You can go to Isaiah 34. In my opinion, Isaiah 34 is his take on the end times. In other words, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and John's version in the sixth chapter of Revelation, which we'll get to in a minute. But in chapter 34, and if you drop down to verse 4, we read these words. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. So much so, in other words, that the stars will fall from the sky, that's verse 4, like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall on Edom, the nation I have marked for destruction. Dropping down to uh, verse 9, listen to this. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. That's where your smoke's coming from, folks. The, uh, the, this judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation. Oh, who's going to want to live there? If it's covered with oil and smoke and fire, nobody's going to want to live there. Jesus is going to have to put that out. Now, you can also go to Joel 2 and several other scriptures. Just Google darkness, the word darkness, in the Bible, and you will read all about it. But now let's go to Revelation 6. As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals in the scroll, and I heard four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked up, and I saw a white horse standing there. And then dropping down to verse 4, there was another horse that appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. There's your wars and rumors of wars. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. And you can compare this yourself. I would love for you to do that. But you'll find that this is in the exact same order as the other Gospels. As Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, so is Revelation 6. For example, one more example. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, famine, and disease, and wild animals. And then dropping down to verse 12. And it, it does fill in every single one of these. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. There's the earthquakes he predicted in Matthew 24. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. 
The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every free person and slave, all hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, etc., etc. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? Didn't Jesus just say that in Matthew 24? Yes, he did. Now, what about Mark 13? You will find the exact same order of these same things. Verse 5, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Same thing, same order. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will go to war against nation. Earthquakes and famines. And you can drop down here to uh, verse 9. When these things begin to happen, watch out. In other words, look up. For you will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. It's exactly the same order. Then he says the uh, good news must first be preached to all nations, and then the end will come, in other words. But when you are arrested and stand trial, in other words, persecuted, don't worry in advance about what to say. And then in verse 24, at that time and after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And then his angels will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. Okay, then what about uh, Luke 21? Starting in verse 8, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and deceiving people. But don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't panic. It's the same thing. They all say the same things. You can read it for yourself, and I'm not going to take the time to do that right now. So I ask you, please read Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation 6 and compare them for yourself. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that you and your family will stay safe and stay close to him and go to church. Why? Because we need each other in critical times. You need to be a part of a family. I do too. I'm no better than you. In the meantime, you can go to my website, I Tell Why. Dot com. That's the letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and Y, W-H-Y, dot com. You can read my books there for free. I don't have anything for sale there at all, period. So feel free to go there. You can print those. There's a PDF for each one of my books. You can print them out, and there's lots of music and other things that you can do and see there. Lots of videos in the center section. So go to I Tell Why and enjoy it, and you can learn things there. And I don't know it all either, let me tell you, I do not. I am a student just like you. 
So until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today and have a great day.